Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Selly, joined by Lincoln Shrike. And it's a Friday, so of course we have a guest, and we are pleased to be joined by two-time American record holder. She's got 13 U.S. titles. It's Shelby Houlihan. Shelby, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Well, we certainly appreciate your time. And I guess the most appropriate question to start with is the question that everybody gets at this time. Um, how are you doing? How is this new <laughs> reality for you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, it hasn't. my schedule hasn't really changed too much um, other than having to be forced to stay at home more, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty much been the same. You know, I, I wake up and have breakfast, go run, do core, whatever, workout, um, and then, you know, maybe a second run later. And in between there, I'm just recovering at home. And whether that's watching Netflix, playing video games, whatever that is, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing a lot more video games than normal and staying up a little later, <laughs> maybe eating a little less healthy, but for the most part, my actual schedule is pretty similar. And you were telling us off camera that you, that the Bowerman Track Club has, has kind of segmented into small little groups. What has it been like training with just a couple athletes, a couple training partners at a time? Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to just have at least a couple people to work out with instead of working out by myself. Um, but, you know, at the same time, we have such a big group and I do miss some of my other teammates. Um, so, and most of my runs we I have been doing on my own as well. So, uh, yeah, but kind of hoping that this clears up soon and, you know, restrictions are starting to get lifted, but I'd like to, you know, <laughs> run with some of my other teammates as well. <laughs> And I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, and it's been a while now since the Olympics have been postponed to 2021. Um, what were your emotions, though, when you found out that basically this huge 2020 season was was not going to happen? Yeah, I think initially, I mean, I was kind of expecting it, just kind of watching what was happening. Um, I figured they would probably have to postpone it at some point or, you know, cancel it. Luckily, they postponed it. So grateful that they did that instead of cancel. But I mean, initially I was pretty disappointed. I felt like I had put in a lot of work um, already this season and I felt like I was in a good spot after indoors uh, with my fitness and I was kind of ready to keep the ball rolling there. And yeah, I mean, definitely disappointed is an understatement, but at the same time, I think as I was able to kind of like take it all in um you know i think as soon as i heard the news i like went to the grocery store and bought a ton of junk food <laughs> so it was like my way of coping <laughs> and i kind of went a little crazy that first week uh i think that's all i ate was junk food um and now i've kind of scaled it back a little bit and found a good balance but um i think it's also trying to look at it in a positive light it's been kind of nice to have a break i guess and you know i i think I've kind of been very diligent about my training and the things that I'm doing for the last however many years. And it's kind of nice to like, okay, I, 
don't really want to go do core today. Okay. Like there's no Olympics. I don't really have to like, what am I training for? <laughs> you know, like, and it, it's kind of like I've been able to let myself off the hook a little bit and it feels nice to be able to do that. Cause I don't do that very often. And I'm kind of hoping after this is over, I can like, I kind of, I feel like I needed that mental break um, and like reset. Uh, and so I'm hoping after everything's said and done, I can come back like more fired up and ready to go. What was in that shopping cart with the junk food? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, a huge thing of goldfish, birthday cake, Oreos, as like a ton of different chips. I love chips. I think we got ice cream, Starburst jelly beans, Sour Patch Kids. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, any candy that you can think of is probably in that cart. I think we also bought like a pizuki or a, like a, not a pizuki, um, a cookie cake. We bought a cookie cake. It was on okay. clearance from St. Patrick's Day and I was like, screw it, I'm going to get it. <laughs> um, it's like a dozen donuts. Um, yeah, I mean, the list goes on, but it took you a little bit the, to at least. <laughs> what? You were not in the 15 items or less checkout aisle. Definitely <laughs> not. I think we spent like maybe over $100 on junk food and it was pretty bad. Um, but I felt like, you know, it was much needed and it was kind of nice because I never do that. And mm -hmm. it was kind of nice to just like go crazy for a little bit. It sounds like you and, and maybe other members of your group or other elite athletes are coming to the realization that, that us mere mortals came to at some point in their running career when there was no longer that big goal. Maybe high school ended for them and they weren't running collegiately or collegiate uh, running ended and then they were not going to move on to the next level. So they had to stop and be like, well, yeah, I don't need to do all these things. So let me reevaluate and reassess. Now you're going to jump right back into the pool though, because next year starts a five-year run of, of global championships. W w is it interesting to have that other perspective of like, okay, I don't need to do this right now. The clock isn't necessarily ticking as much. Yeah, it's, it's kind of nice, but at the same time, I, I'm glad that it's not going to last <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think, like I said, like it was kind of much needed just to have that little mental break, but um, once it's all said and done, like, I, I think I've still done a really good job of, um, you know, having a balance and I've still been eating fairly healthy with like, you know, like unhealthy snacks. Um, I never, I didn't even take a day off after I heard, uh, so training still like very high and, you know, doing workouts pretty intensely. Um, I actually took uh, my first day off on Wednesday since that was my first day off since October. So that felt kind of good. I just didn't feel like running that day. And I was like, yeah, I guess I don't really have to, but, um, felt like I also kind of needed it and deserved it. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm keeping a good balance of like taking that mental break, but still like, I'm going to be ready when the time comes, um, when racing opportunities present themselves. Shelby, last week on our website, we kind of enjoyed a Bowerman Track Club theme where, because there's nothing really going on, we're, we're going with theme weeks and had a lot of content about the team. And of course, you're an integral part of it. I made a ranking of the top 10 Bowerman Track Club athletes of all time. I put Evan Jager, number one. I put you number four. And I want to know, <laughs> one, is your, one is, your, is your ranking fair? And then two, who is who two and three? Think? Shalane was two, and then I had Mohamed as three. Um, okay. So 
is it is it fair? And then wh- who should be number one? Um, that's such a hard question <laughs> that I've yeah. never thought about before. Um, I don't know. I I I'll take the number four spot. I'm not I'm not like mad about that by any means. I I don't have a medal. <laughs> uh, first of all, so you know I'm I'm surprised that Courtney is not ahead of me. Um, but I think she was sixth. Okay. You got a few national yeah. titles over her. I, so I that's, do. That's why. I do have some yeah. national titles. I have a couple American records, so it's helping yeah. me a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd say Shalane and and Jagger are. I could like almost swap them just because Shalane's had such a long career. But yeah. Mm, nah, I think I think that's probably fair order. Okay. I'll stick with my number All four right. spot. That's fair. That <laughs> that really helps my ego. So I appreciate it. Rare, I appreciate rare praise it. for Lincoln's it. rankings. Rare yeah. praise for Lincoln's <laughs> rankings. Um, well, speaking of Shalane, the your last race before this, you and three other teammates broke Shalane's old three thousand meter record, and I know that was a race for you. That was probably slightly disappointing, but what was that experience like for you from from your perspective running 826 but then getting second place yeah um i mean like you said i i was definitely disappointed after that race i felt like i i knew i could break that record um i just like didn't know exactly what, how fit i was um and you know i think i didn't feel awesome on the day but at the end of the at the end of the day that that's kind of the name of the game sometimes you don't have it on the day and you know i felt flat and didn't have a kick unfortunately but i knew i knew carissa was in great shape like we'd been working out all winter and you know she's just like right there on my shoulder so if i'm having a bad day there's she's gonna capitalize on it for sure and she did and you know like i don't maybe i would have felt great and still lost I, I have no idea but um you know i was also super pumped for Carissa because she's someone that I've really been like, we've been paired up for workouts going, even going into Doha. So like about a year now and she's super gritty and she'll be right on my shoulder in workouts. And I like for the life of me, can't drop her ever. Like even if she has no business being right behind me, she's just right there always. Um, and you know, it's making me doubt my fitness at times going into Doha and then, and, I have or I ended up having a a workout by myself um, finally, and I was like, okay, no, I am in I am in good shape, and <laughs> just she's just also in really good shape. Um, but no, she's been someone that's been awesome to work with, um, work out with, and she's pushed me as well as me pushing her. So I I was really happy for her when she was able to you know get that record, and she definitely she's someone that really deserves it, and I respect her. I'm I'm kind of scared because I know she's going to be going after my 5K record, and I'm sure we'll <laughs> battle with that a little bit too. <laughs> oh, well, I, I remember in in Albuquerque this past indoor seasons in simpler times when we all thought that there was going to be a track season. Um, mm-hmm. After both of your wins, Lincoln or I, I don't even remember who at this point, but you know, part of what made that, those races so interesting was it was so Bowerman heavy, and yet you guys all said you don't coordinate race plans. Once you get out there, it's every person for themselves out there and you came out on top in that scenario in in bu mm-hmm. you, you didn't um does your attitude about how much you'd like that change depending on 
on the outcome of the race? Um, no, I mean, I think Jerry does a really good job about that. I don't think that we should know each other's race plans because at the end of the day, we're still competitors and, you know, Carissa and Colleen are still people that I want to be. Um, and I don't really want them knowing what I'm going to do or like my mm -hmm. race tactics, uh, as much as they don't want me to know theirs. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, you know, at the end of the day, we can still finish and, you know, respect each other and be proud of each other even through our own disappointments. And I think, you know, you kind of have to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. Was, when you go back and look at that race, is there anything, you, you said you maybe just didn't have it that day. Is there, in a pure time trial setup like that though, are there adjustments and things you can make differently? Or is it just, hey, if I come to line and I'm ready, and then I'm going to be good. And if I'm off by even one-tenth of a percent, my teammates are so good, they could take advantage of it. How do you, how do you, how do you evaluate a, a race like that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, like, know for sure. Uh, I, you know, Kate paced it, and I was right, like, as soon as she fell off, I was in the lead. Um, so I don't know if, like, taking, like, letting someone else take it. But at the same time, I, I love leading, and that wasn't really a problem for me. And I think if I would have felt good, it would have maybe been different. Um, but, yeah, just... You know, sometimes you just have those days where nothing is feels like it's clicking and you feel flat. And um, that, unfortunately, as that was one of those days for me. <laughs> and as much as you don't want it to happen, especially when you're trying to go after an American record, sometimes it does. And, you know, I, I commend Carissa for being able to get that record and she definitely deserved it. But, um, you know, I, I hope I can get another shot at it next year and we'll see what happens. <laughs> Shelby, to you, what what's the most memorable race of your career? Um, I think probably I would say making that first Olympic team and going to Rio at the the Olympic trials. That was like still one of like my most memorable moments. Uh, just a childhood dream kind of coming true, and you know it doesn't always happen and you can prepare as much as you want and sometimes it just never it never happens and for that to have kind of all all the hard work and dedication to have come together in that one moment and kind of make a dream come true was huge for me and i think everyone kind of saw when i crossed the line and started crying um just how much it meant to me and um obviously there's a lot more that i want to do still but that was like a huge huge uh goal that was that was a, i was able to accomplish you know you've had so much success and i know you were very successful at arizona state but you've taken like the next couple steps up that maybe some people didn't necessarily expect just just where you were in college to where you are now i'm wondering if any of your success has surprised you thus far through the first whatever it is five or so years as a professional um, honestly, I'd probably say no. <laughs> uh, I, I felt like I made a lot of good steps in college and, uh, just kind of growing as an athlete and, and as a person, but, uh, just kind of learning how to become more dedicated and doing some of the little things. Uh, I never, like, it's just honestly taken me a long time to build an aerobic base because in high school I was maybe running like 20 miles a week if that and I trained like a sprinter um and so 
once I got to college that freshman year, I was running like 30 miles a week. And I've just slowly, slowly over eight years gotten to this point where I'm finally running like 85 miles a week to, you know, 90. Um, And the speed aspect was always there. That was something that I worked on early on. Um, But it was a matter of building that aerobic base. And once I got to Jerry's group, he, his workouts were way more intense. And, um, you know, I think through high school and college, I always felt like I was never pushed to my potential in workouts and stuff like that. Um, and so once I got to Jerry's group, I was definitely being pushed every day. And that first year, I think I got dropped like almost every workout and I was going home and just laying in bed all day. Cause I was so tired and I loved it at the same time. Cause it like, I was like, finally, I'm like finally being pushed and I'm finally going to like see how good I can be. Um, and it's obviously the workouts have gotten easier as I've gotten more and more fit and um, that aerobic base has been built. But yeah, I mean, I, I think 2018 was the season that those, the speed and the aerobic base aspect finally kind of clicked and came together. Um, and it's, I think there's still a lot more there. So I'm pretty excited to keep the ball rolling. You, you make those teams in 16 and 17 in the 5,000. And then, as you mentioned, you go to 18 in the 1,500. And then, I mean, you're still running the 5,000s. Obviously, you have U.S. titles there. But from an outside perspective, you morphed into Shelby Houlihan, unstoppable kicking machine at some point there. <laughs> and it started to look it started to look automatic. Did it feel automatic when you started getting in those races at that point? In, in like after um, after 17? Yeah, I mean, I think my my experience at Worlds in 17, I had been training for the 5K and I felt like I was in really, really good shape. And I, I felt like I was in like 1440-ish shape. And, you know, that just never, I was never able to prove that that year. And I think I walked away placing 13th and super disappointed and embarrassed and think I went on my cool down and cried and was just so devastated that I didn't put myself in the race more um, because I felt like there was just so much more there that I wasn't able to show. Um, And so going into 2018, I think I kind of just challenged myself that first race. I raced Prefontaine Classic uh, outdoors and I was like, screw it. I I know I belong here. I know I'm good enough. Um, I'm just going to put myself in it and see what happens. And I was able to come away with that first win and break four. And I think once I kind of validated that to myself that, yeah, I am good enough. Like I I can be here and I can compete with these women at at this level. Um, I think that's really what kind of made it automatic. I just needed that confidence in myself to keep putting myself in the races and uh, see what happens. Yeah. And you're also like, Hey, I can be even better at a race. That's two miles shorter. This might, I might be on <laughs> yeah. something here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think training for that 5k, Jerry was definitely onto something. I don't know if that was his like master plan the whole time, but um, yeah. yeah, I think training for that 5k just made me super strong. Um, and then, you know, going back down to the 15, I, I always had that speed and that kick. It was just a matter of getting in the fast races and still having the kick at the end. And mm-hmm. like I said, like things finally clicked for me and I was able to not be totally gassed with 200 to go. And I actually had a kick and that was kind of the first year that that showed up and it's 
you know, been that way ever since for the most part. When you, when you joined, who were you most excited to train with? Um, I think probably like being around like Shalane. Um, she was obviously someone that I was, that I looked up to and, um, I know she was like more of a marathon runner, but just, I, I had a, I just, I wanted to learn how to be a really good professional runner. I felt like I had learned how to be a good collegiate runner and I was kind of looking for that next step and someone to guide me into that role or just like people to learn from. Um, and I think, you know, coming to a group where you're surrounded by some of the best professional runners, that was definitely a good move on my part. And I was able to just kind of sit back and watch as well as get dragged along in workouts um, and watch what they're doing and uh, learn how to be a good professional. What's How has the relationship changed with Shalane and the team now that she's coaching versus being an athlete? Yeah, I, I it's been a little, it's been um, a bit of a transition just in that, like, you know, now she has this like coach role instead of a friend teammate role. And I, I mean, obviously the friend role is still there, um, but it's, it's mostly been pretty, a pretty easy transition. She's still like, she was kind of transitioning. I think when she started having her knee surgery, she was still coming to practice or like workouts and watching us work out, help timing. And then I think that kind of like naturally evolved into the coaching role that she has now. And I have to ask about Jerry. When we saw him in the winter, he was growing his hair out. What's the story <laughs> behind that? And has he cut it yet? So he was going to cut it, I think, the first race of the outdoor season, which hasn't happened yet. And it's still growing. It's still, oh, wow. it's, yeah, it, he, he definitely needs a haircut. <laughs> He's also not shaving I mean, either, so it's oh. just there's a lot going on there right now. Because <laughs> he truthfully wants to be anonymous and have no one recognize him, so that, that will help him <laughs> yes. out. Yeah, he's doing a yeah. great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your best? I mean, Shalane. I'm sure there's some epic Shalane workouts, but just in terms of Shalane Flanagan, consummate professional, do you have any? Do you have any good Shalane? stories maybe when you first joined that let you know how how good she is and how serious she was um i don't have a really like because she's more of a marathon runner so i didn't really get to work out with her a ton um but i know a story from amy that's pretty good uh she, um it was like they were they had just gotten done with like this really hard workout and they went back to the car and I think this is when Amy first joined the group. So she didn't know her super well yet. Um, and she just hears this like quiet voice. Um, this was like, ah, oh, I taste blood. This is awesome. And she was like, who am I training with right now? <laughs> this oh my God. is crazy. <laughs> or is like, yeah, I mean, I, I think that pretty much sums it up that, and I think most of us in the group are kind of the same way. So it's like, yeah, that's, it's not surprising that that, that happened, but it's uh, it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> what um, I want to jump back to the five k for a bit because I know if there were the Olympics this year, I believe you told us that you said at the trials you're going to run both, but the Olympic schedule didn't work out, so that way you would have just run the fifteen hundred. But 
um, an American woman's never medaled in the five. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing because they have medals in 15 and eight, and then obviously steeple and yeah. 10,000 and everything like that. What is it about that, that race? And it hasn't been run as long because for a while they did the 3000, they switched. There's a little bit of a historical difference there too, but why do you think it's, it's been tough for the Americans to medal there and not see the breakthroughs that they've seen in other distance events? Yeah, I'm not totally sure. Honestly, I, I think when I started running the 5k, um, at that like world level, when I first went professional, um, I, I was kind of one of the best 5k runners. Uh, I mean, I, I was able to make the Olympic team and, you know, running 1506 and I went to the Olympics and it was hard to have confidence when some of those women had a PRs that were like almost a minute faster. Um, so I think just like, <laughs> I, you just, we have this like 15 minute barrier stuck in mm -hmm. our heads. That's like really hard to break and not that it's not, but like, I think, you know, if we're running around, like if we're trying to break 15, these like Africans are like, Oh, okay. Like, cool. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. I think just like kind of getting over that hump and, getting more American women to consistently, you know, run in the 1440s, 1415s, 1430s. Um, you know, we, we have to lower that standard to start being competitive at the world level. And I think we're starting to see that. And, you know, I think Shalane helping me break that 5k record a couple of years ago kind of started to get the ball rolling. And then I had teammates that were training with me that was like, well, if she can do it, like, why can't I do it? And then fast forward to this, or like last summer, uh, Carissa running, I think like 1440 high. Um, and I know there's a lot more in there for her and it's going to be really exciting to see where she, uh, she goes with the 5k and, you know, even indoors, Vanessa running, like she, what did she run? 1448 or 1452 or something like that. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think just getting the ball rolling and having, other like watching other people do it and being able to tell yourself like okay i think i can do that too um like yeah. i'm good enough to do that i think just like getting the confidence of american women up and getting to a point where we do believe that we can compete um on the world stage like that's that's got to be the first priority and once you have that confidence like i mean it can be pretty dangerous <laughs> so i yeah. think we're starting to see a change and I hope at some point that we do see medals start coming our way. Um, but it's, oh, it's a process and it takes time. You are known for putting on a ser pretty serious game face before a race. I'm wondering if that's deliberate and if so, when did that kind of start for you? Or is that something that just, is just, it happens out of, out of natural circumstances? It just kind of happens. I am aware of it, but it mostly just happens. Uh, it, I've always done it. That's just kind of the way I roll, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's like I, once I'm like in on the track, I'm like in my zone. I'm ready to go. I'm like, you know, ready to rip people up um, in a way, <laughs> not not literally, but uh, I don't know. I think like that's like just I'm where I'm most comfortable and most confident in myself is when I'm lining up to race people and you kind of, I guess my game face reflects that a little bit. And, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I swear I'm not super mean in person and mm. I'm usually pretty lighthearted and goofy. Um, but you know, once I, once you put me in that setting on the track, uh, the switch is flipped and I'm ready to go. Like, are you feeling nerves on a start line? Cause like you can look across any, even professional track athletes, any big race, you see them and you can be like, that person's nervous. That person's really nervous. That person, you know, <laughs> you, you don't, you don't look nervous. And I feel like, especially if your competitors see that, that could be an advantage. Do you view it as such? Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime that you can like get in your competitor's head is probably a good thing. Um, I don't hate that I look intimidating <laughs> by any means. No. Um, but yeah, I, I typically, I would say typically don't get super nervous. Um, I try to find comfort in the fact that whether, like no matter what happens, whether it's a good race or bad race, it's just part of the process. And, you know, you're going to have bad races. And those, I try to look at those as big learning opportunities because that's, the times where I've learned the most uh, and tried to grow from. And, you know, if it's a good race, that's awesome. But I don't think whatever happens, like whatever happens, it's it's going to happen and it's part of the process. And so I don't really feel the need to get nervous about it, I guess. Have you gotten any feedback about the game face from your family, friends, loved ones? <laughs> <laughs> no feedback, but I definitely get a lot of comments about it. I, I do actually, like some of my friends when they like before we had met they were like i was so scared to meet you you just like look super intense and intimidating like i just was terrified and i was like and now they're like i don't know why i was so scared but yeah so i definitely get how it can come across as being intense and terrifying but i swear i'm not like that <laughs> you you just mentioned a second ago when you have a bad race and now i'm trying to rack my brain and try to think when the last time we could objectively say that Shelby Houlihan had a bad race, but you seem to be a tough judge on yourself. So when was your last bad race? I'd say my last bad race was Doha. <laughs> um, 354. I mean, and before that. Yeah, I know, I know. It's like, it's not that it was bad. Like, there's a lot of good things to take away from it. And I, it was definitely bittersweet. I just... Like some of the positives, I went into that race more confident than I'd ever been. I, I knew that I was in around 354 shape and like historically, when does that not medal, you know? Um, so like I just went into that race like I don't care what happens, how bad I have to hurt. I'm going to try to win. And if I don't win, I, I like there's no way I don't medal. Um, and, you know, I put myself in it and didn't realize it was going to be a 351 race <laughs> and you know, get fourth at 354. But, um, you know, I think one of my goals that year was to get the American record and I was able to do that, which was awesome. And I'm glad that I was able to, but to have to walk away without a medal was like, just when I was so like sure that it was going to happen, I was just going to make it happen. Um, that was really hard to, to do. And I think I could have been more aggressive and, you know, fought for that second spot off. Like I had the second spot off the line initially, and then I kind of gave it up and was kind of towards the middle of the pack. And I think if I would have fought for that spot, maybe I could have hung on for top three. Um, but, you know, I can pick and poke at, at the, the what happened during the race, and I, I won't know what would have happened. Um, but I'm just trying to 
pick it apart and learn from it the best that I can and trying to use that uh, as fuel for the fire for going into 2021 now. There was there was an announcement yesterday from the Diamond League, and I know you won't be able to participate, but they're going to have a meet of sorts in Norway coming up in, what, a month and a half called the Impossible Games. I'm wondering, I know it's not going to impact you because you, you're not in Norway or anywhere close to there, but what are, what are your thoughts of track in some form coming back seemingly pretty early in, in June where a lot of sports are still going to be, you know, not competing? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like a good sign that things are starting to come back. And I hope that there's going to be opportunities for U.S. athletes as well. Um, I'm it's like I'm excited about that. But at the same time, it's I don't know, it's kind of like up in the air just because I know personally, like I haven't like drug testing hasn't really been relevant right now. And uh, just because of the whole pandemic and. I, you know, it just kind of opens the doors for opportunities for people, I guess, that you, you know, not to like get too into it, but, you know, it, it, it kind of throws questions in there. And I think once we get back on a schedule where people are getting regularly drug tested, um, that's, I'll feel a lot more better about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all. <laughs> I guess no, that's yeah. all I really have to say about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope things start getting better and we are able to start racing again because I'm really excited to. But you, you just got to also think about that aspect of it as well. No, I understand the kind of the suspicion. Maybe that's not the right word. But there were news reports last week, several, I think, talking about this new virtual drug testing. I'm wondering if you've had any experience with this, you know, doing online drug testing. And uh, I don't know, do you think it's a viable solution for for the current situation? I'm going to be honest. I I saw the article, but I didn't read it. No, that's fine. Um, so I, I don't really know any of the information on it or like what that entails. Uh, I think, you know. So if, you haven't been tested it, during this period, obviously. No, I mean, ever since everything started, you know, I haven't gotten yeah. tested at all. And I think that's something that still needs to be done. But it's it's like a gray area right now just because of what's going yeah. on. So I understand that they're not. But I still think, you know, I think that we should still be tested in, in some capacity. Well, and I understand your hesitance, but I do want to tap more into what you were, you know, having some reservations about possibly competing when drug testing isn't up to its normal uh, the, you know, the way it normally goes. Can you speak m more of that? I mean, what, what does that mean for a professional athlete when it's, it's possible other people are dodging tests because of the unique circumstances? Yeah. I mean, you, I, I try not to think about it too much, honestly. I, I just hope that people aren't, <laughs> obviously that's not like a super realistic i know people do cheat um but i just try to like once racing does resume i'm just gonna treat everyone like they're clean and that's all you can really do um hope that everyone's honest and um yeah i mean i think if i start suspecting people then i'm already putting myself at a disadvantage when i line up and race them so it's not something i try to like really focus on but i'm aware that that does happen and you know i just try to try to come at it with my best and um, I'm just trying to work hard and 
you know, get through this whole pandemic just like everybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just try to keep a positive light about it, I suppose. Is it, is it annoying to answer questions all the time about drug testing? I, I ask because 2019 was especially that world championships was especially charged on that topic. And certain, certain athletes, it seemed like they relished the opportunity to speak about it. They liked having the platform. They liked sharing their views. Other people seemed more reticent and they just were like, Hey, I'm here to focus on my race. Let the authorities do what they may. Uh, where do you, where do you, I guess, and I would put you, I watched just one of your old interviews before we started here. So I, I didn't see the whole chronology of Shelby day one, Shelby after the semis and Shelby after the finals, but you certainly got asked a lot of questions about it. And, and I, I, I guess I couldn't put you in one camp or the other. Where do you, where do you sit there on that continuum? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm typically more of a quiet person. I, I don't really need the platform to speak out about it. Obviously I'm against it. I, <laughs> you'd be crazy not to be. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that like, I just want to do it myself. You know, I, I want to stand on that, uh, that Olympic podium with a gold medal around my neck, knowing that I did that. Um, I realized that, other people don't see it that way, um, which is disappointing. And, you know, I, I want to be able to race against a fair field. But like I said before, that's just, you know, I, I have to go into every race treating everyone that like they're clean and that's all I can really do. I just need to focus on myself and, um, you know, I can't I can't control what other people do or um, or don't do. So I, I just typically try to treat everyone like they're clean and focus on what I can do and what I can control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Lighter topics. Let's talk uh, quarantine <laughs> habits. I don't play video games, but I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast do. What are you playing? Uh, pretty much just Call of Duty. Uh, the new Warzone uh, came out. And so we've been going kind of back, back and forth between multiplayer and Warzone. But yeah, mostly just call of duty and you said you were watching a lot of netflix do you have any recommendations yeah. for people um just finished watching the office for like the fifth time um and <laughs> i'm just starting on i'm just starting on ozark now which i've heard is really good and i'm like seven episodes into the first season so i'm i'm liking it so far i definitely recommend i'll probably start Rewatching the Harry Potter series at some point. <laughs> are you are you going in chronological order? You go from the Office to Ozark. Are you are you alphabetical? Is that how you're doing it? <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> unintentionally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna rewatch all the movies or read all the books through or both. Uh, probably rewatch all the movies. Takes a little less time. Not that I don't have time right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not I, not on my reading grind at the moment. Yeah, same, same, definitely the same. Uh, when when I think of you, I think of your your social media trend from a few years ago. Maybe you still do it, but the the French bread thing. Where did that come yeah. from? And do you still do that? Do you still do that? I don't really do it as much anymore. Um, honestly, I only started doing it because Colleen was doing like French Braid Friday. And right. I thought it would be really funny to like kind of mock her and do a French bread Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> if you look closely, if you follow both of us, um, I basically just did whatever, like 
I just took the exact same picture of whatever she did and I just did it with bread and copy and pasted her <laughs> caption and just was about bread. Like I was completely oh. just trolling her. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I never knew that. That's kind of where it came from. I know. No, a lot. I don't know. Not a lot of people know that. They just like really think I am obsessed with bread, which I mean, bread's pretty awesome, but I'm not that obsessed with it. <laughs> bread, what was her reaction when you were doing that? that? Yeah, sorry. She, she was a good sport about it. Uh, she, yeah. she thought it was pretty funny. And then she maybe switched, she switched to Fast Braid Friday. Um, maybe that was because of me, maybe not. But <laughs> yeah. Co Co Colleen is That's funny. That's you know, really she, funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> Other she, people uh, that like noticed it was, they were pretty, they thought it was pretty funny as well. <laughs> She uh, seems to take social media. I don't know if you want to say pretty seriously, but she's dedicated to her Instagram game. Do you, you guys ever give her a hard time for being so on it on Instagram? Um, a little bit, but I feel like that's just like you know, I don't really want to go there with with her on that one. We yeah. we are different people and we have different values, so she can do her thing, and you know, if if that's what she wants to do, um, and where she wants to put her time, that's that's totally fine. But you know, I, I, I tend to be more of a private person and I'm not obviously huge on Instagram. I don't think I've posted in a month. So yeah. who is what, on the uh, team? Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Like you're on a roll with these great, you, yeah, you're on uncovering roll. the big truths here. I didn't know I, the French bread thing and I now know. I do. So I'm going to let you keep going. Yeah. I just journalism, Kevin, uh, follow along. Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's the most serious person on the team and who's the least per serious person on the team? The most serious. Oh man. I feel like we have like a good balance of like goofy personalities. I'd say maybe Courtney might be the most serious. She's like a big, like she's a perfectionist for sure. And she is really hard on herself. So like, um, I'd say she's probably the most serious when it comes to workouts and stuff like that. Um, and what was the other question? Least serious? Least serious. Least serious. Um, I don't know. I feel like at this level, like everyone's pretty serious when it comes down right. to it. Um, I don't mean like who's no cutting one? workouts short or who's who's not doing no, that yeah. cool down. Just like, Just yeah. Like goofy and stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if everyone would agree with this, but I feel like I'm pretty freaking goofy. So yeah. I would say like, I, but I'm like extreme. Like I'm either like super serious and intense or I'm like really like lighthearted and making jokes at every chance I can. Um, mm -hmm. So I would maybe say me, but we have a lot of like really goofy personalities as well. So yeah. Well, I Lincoln that. kind of took my question. Lincoln kind of took my question because I was like, going to ask you since he was doing rankings on who the best runner was. I was going to ask you to rank all the current Bowerman Track Club members who you'd want to train with. One all the way. I don't even know how many you guys have at this point. Um, I don't. I don't, I don't know if you want to go. <laughs> <laughs> who's your Who's your favorite person? Who's your favorite person to train with for whatever reason you like? Maybe they push you. Maybe they have good jokes. Whatever it is, who do you like to train with the most? Um, I probably say Carissa because she does push me a lot and we've spent a lot of time together and done a lot of workouts together. Uh, Marielle is hilarious. She's someone that I just enjoy having around me. Like everything that comes out of her mouth is, mouth is funny. Um, 
Kate is good for like debates and just like intellectual conversations. And I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably say Carissa though. She's, I, she's someone I've probably spent the most time with as far as like workouts and stuff go like that. Have you, have you run with a mask on at all? And if so, is it in any way comparable to running at altitude, trying to keep up with the Bowerman Track Club? <laughs> I have not run with an with a mask on, and I hope I don't get okay. crap for that. But no, no. I am I am maskless. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I did this morning, and Lincoln made fun of me, so I I don't I think you're in the majority well, on on that. I mean, one. I think you know I think you kind of deserve to be made fun of. If no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No. No, definitely. I mean, eight minute pace is hard enough. You don't need to make it extra yeah. hard. You know. It's uh I just like my I could convert down. It was a way for me to explain yeah. how slow I was running. I had my mass conversion, I had my pushing a stroller conversion, and before I knew it I was running. You're under, doing uh, it all. You're going to be super fit yeah. after this. That's exactly yeah. right. I'm, I'm going to be something after this. I, I don't know what it is. Uh I had a question about your tattoo because it says uh the problem is you think you have time. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel yeah, like um, not not to get not to get super serious or philosophical, but that seems especially applicable right now in today's in today's uh, situation. It does. I hadn't thought about that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the message of the tattoo basically is just you don't know how much time you have, and life is short, so try to live it on purpose. And you know, I I don't want to wake up when I'm eighty and realize that I didn't do the things that I wanted to do with my life. Um, so that's kind of where that comes from. And I just really like that quote, uh, just because I think people can get stuck in their routines and their cycles of, you know, eat, work, sleep, repeat. Um, and we forget to kind of take a step back and live in the moment and, you know, enjoy what we have and be grateful for what we have. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, you just don't know how much time you have. So I'm just trying to live in the moment and find joy in everything that I do. That's cool. I'm wondering when I got my first tattoo, it was your first tattoo, right? Oh no, I have no. like six okay. tattoos. Okay. Well, <laughs> do you have the sun devil that thing, right? Oh yes. I have the Olympic rings. I have a cheetah on my oh, ankle, that's right. Harry Potter on my wrist. Um, and then I have one on my rib cage that says uh, with pain comes strength. Can you show me the Harry Potter one again? Because my wife was joking about getting a Harry Potter tattoo. And yes. okay. Oh, those glasses? Uh, yeah, and, yep. the, and the lightning, <laughs> the lightning bolt. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, she had a different one. Um, it it was it was like a diamond or something. I don't know Harry Potter, but I'm sure yeah, you yeah, yeah. know. It's and the, it, probably the Deathly Hollow uh, symbol. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, is that is would, would that be considered lame if she got that amongst Harry Potter super Absolutely fans? Absolutely not. <laughs> Oh, okay. like, but yes, you're not gonna overall, get the yes. The but I mean, obviously, it's like a little nerdy, but I love it. So <laughs> I, say I have a Hagrid tattoo. I have a Hagrid tattoo on my back. So no, I'm just kidding. I do not have a Hagrid <laughs> tattoo. That's, that's a joke. I, say, I think you should show I, us. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, I'm just kidding. Well, who, who in your family, who, like when I've got my tattoos, my mom cried. So I'm wondering who's been supportive of your tattoos and maybe who's been less supportive in your family. She cried? Yeah. <laughs> just disappointment. Um, Dis disappointment. I, would, I, 
I wouldn't say everyone's like super supportive of me getting my tattoos. Yeah. Um, yeah. My parents are definitely not pumped about it. Uh, after, I think I had my first tattoo for like almost a year before my mom found out. I mm. forgot that I had it because it's like my sports bra covers it up. Um, so you, like I just totally forgot about it, put a swimsuit on, went to the pool, and she was like, what's that? It's like, oh, crap, nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's no. um, But, yeah, so and then, you know, I think every time I've gotten one, she's like, no more. That's your last one. And then I started joking, like, oh, I'm going to get a sleeve. And, like, secretly I did want one. Um, and she's like, you better not get a sleeve. Um, and then fast forward to me getting <laughs> my – arm tattoo and i called her after it was done i was like uh i'm gonna see you in a week so i might as well just break the news to you now i got a tattoo <laughs> um so she wasn't pumped about it she was like i like it i just don't like it on you um but <laughs> you know it's my body it's my life i'm gonna do go. what i want with it so i i love it and that's all that really matters well, that's a great way uh, to wrap this up. Shelby, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Whenever racing resumes, we hope to see you back out there. Uh, eat junk food, but maybe don't eat too much. It sounds like you got a handle on it. Uh, and I started hopefully we'll to get a handle on it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we hope to see you on a track some, sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Mm -hmm, you too.